This is the Soulfully Casual Podcast hosted by Matty Ice. And now, your host, Matty Ice. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Soulfully Casual Podcast hosted by Matty Ice and brought to you by Matty Ice Media. As always, I'm your host, Matty Ice, and I hope everybody is having a wonderful Wednesday. It's hump day the middle of the week we're all looking forward to the weekend the summer is raging here in virginia the temperatures are nearly 100 degrees and i gotta tell you uh, i'm already tired of summer isn't it funny how that works i was so looking forward to nice weather but uh, without a beach or a beachfront basically right here uh, it's hard to get psyched for every single day however on the day that i'm recording this i was able to get some uh, rounds in with cleveland my trainer and uh, you know it was a lot of fun so uh monday's episode was a little serious you know i got into the uh the derek chauvin verdict the derek chauvin sentencing and i talked through whether that was justice uh, one of the aspirations that i have for this show is to be able to talk about many topics to have a depth to my knowledge base and a depth to my opinions and be able to articulate feelings that i'm having that are congruous with you know just what human decency would would ask for uh when i look at the derek chauvin verdict I asked myself fairly, was this justice? You know, how many folks in this country would consider that justice? And I think it's a fair question to ask. Uh, when I made the post on social media, I definitely received some backlash regarding my statement about the fact that it didn't feel like justice. Um, as I understand it, there are a great many people who feel as if he got a raw deal and that the uh, trial was a railroading. Well, I wholeheartedly disagree. Um, I can understand certain arguments that could be made about the fairness of the trial, given the publicity, given the fact that the jury is not supposed to be swayed by such things. But in today's digital media market, in our fast-paced world, it's nearly impossible to keep information and opinions away from the minds of human beings. So I didn't agree with it. But I'm following up that episode in with another sports-related topic that I did get into a little bit on my other podcast, uh, Drippin' Sports with Matty Ice, which uh, is now going to be debuting on 105 The Block, or The Block 105, uh, which is an internet radio station, and you can hear that every Friday at 9 a.m., but I thought it was important to uh, get into this a little bit more detailed here, because one of the things that this show does is gets into the meaty, juicy um, you know, topics of the world, and that show is really talking about the X's and O's of sports. However, you know, towing the line here and there to make sure that we're all aware that the sports are not as important as the human interest pieces that go on. So I mid mentioned this, I think in episode nine about the Chicago Blackhawks scandal. So just to catch everybody up, um, an unidentified former Chicago Blackhawks player uh, said in a lawsuit against the team that a then assistant coach sexually assaulted him in 2010 during their playoff run to a Stanley Cup title. He also claims that the team did nothing about it after being informed by uh, an employee that is now since retired. Um, the coach in question here is assistant coach Bradley Aldrich. Uh, he was convicted in 2013 in Michigan of fourth degree criminal sexual conduct involving a student. Uh, he is currently on that state's registry of sex offenders. And this is according to um, Chicago public radio station WBEZ. Basically, this former employee um, talked about the fact that this assistant coach essentially 
uh, would, I don't know, kind of make his way into the lives of the players that were involved. Um, he would essentially use his stature as a video coach and assistant coach to, you know, get inside the players' minds, to make them feel friendly toward him, and would then make unwanted sexual advances at these players. Um, he was essentially let go, but not before being able to participate in every round of the playoffs thereafter the information was given to uh, executive management. He was allowed to be there in the picture, the team picture on the ice when the Stanley Cup was awarded. He was even allowed to be at the parade in downtown Chicago celebrating a Stanley Cup championship, a hard-earned championship that the team put a lot of sweat equity into and sacrificed a lot of family time in order to do so. And here is this person uh, is allowed to continue to perpetrate crimes, continue to make people feel uncomfortable. And he knows that there are no consequences to his actions because when you are uh, in the wrong, when you know that people have informed your bosses about your conduct and nothing happens, you know that the mission of winning a championship is greater than the crimes or the discomforts that you have perpetrated on the you know, folks on the team. Uh, he was eventually let go. He was eventually fired, which, okay, I can understand the firing feeling like justice. I can understand the firing seeming like uh, that is good enough. But some former players on that team have been asked about the happenings that took place back then. They have been asked about what they knew, what they saw. And from many, many, many accounts, uh, most players knew this was happening, if not all players knew this was happening. And most players knew that these discomforts, these unwanted sexual advances were communicated upward. They were communicated to higher and higher officials and that the ownership, GM, and so forth knew about this, head coach knew about this, and nobody did anything. Here's the scary part. Um, this assistant coach gets to be employed somewhere else. And that somewhere else was at a high school. And this is where these 2013 allegations come in. Convictions, excuse me, not allegations, convictions. Very important uh, distinction to be made. Um, this is disgusting. This person was empowered by inaction. And you might say, well, they fired him. So what exactly are they supposed to do? Are they supposed to pick up the phone and call their local authorities? Because this is illegal. Unwanted sexual advances are illegal, 100% bar none. There really is no gray area in this matter. Um, if consent is not given, and what we are talking about here is one adult and another adult, like professional hockey players are adults. There's no questioning that at all, um, especially if there's any type of alcohol involved. You know, apparently this person, assistant coach, Mr. Aldrich, would try to essentially get players to come over to his house uh, and hang out with them you know, watch hockey games. Apparently this behavior continued uh, when he was coaching at Notre Dame or working at Notre Dame. Now there were no allegations against him at Notre Dame, no, no convictions to be had, but this person was able to become employed after employed after employed, working at the same high school twice. Um, and there's just something about the idea that doing nothing is actually doing something. Most people feel like, well, ignorance is bliss. And that's a very popular idiom or colloquialism that we like to use. Well, ignorance is bliss, it's totally fine. But in scenarios like this, your ignorance is actually actively doing harm to many people. Look at what happened at Penn State. Uh, look at what happened at Syracuse. You know, these, these coaches knew of sexual misconduct that was taking place upon their students. Um, 
and they're not comfortable enough to go tell authorities because, well, there's football games to win or there's basketball games to win. The importance of winning, the culture of winning dictates and dominates the day. And no matter what the discomfort is, no matter what dehumanizing behavior takes place, it seems to me that we have a systemic problem as it relates to sports. So this is an 11 year old story. Since that time frame, we've had Urban Meyer. I talked about him some 30 odd episodes ago, maybe 40 episodes ago, when he was hired as the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. He's hired as the head coach. He's continuing to get promotion after promotion after promotion. But in the wake of his stints at these places, he has left chaos. He has left a legacy of winning is more important than anything else, including having a staff member, a strength and conditioning coach on his team, whose skills as a strength and conditioning coach were apparently more important than the fact that he beat his pregnant wife while taking home another woman on their anniversary. Uh, Urban Meyer also doesn't apologize to the victims. He apologizes to Buckeye Nation. So the Blackhawks very clearly in their pursuit for their first championship in many, many years, if ever, I can't ever remember that, um, decided that the, the human decency factor was not as important for their players, their own players. The, and what I think is amazing about this is that these players went out there and won the Stanley Cup despite all of this adversity. And you're perpetrating a crime on your players by your inaction. You essentially are telling them that they are commodities, they are assets. They're not human beings. You shouldn't care about them. You only care about the production that you get from them. And that's kind of a sad commentary on where we are in sports because no matter how far we get in the calendar, the years turn by and by, and yet somehow we seem to be digressing instead of progressing. One of the things we strive for as human beings is to constantly get better. We're always looking to become more woke, if you will, uh, to be more understanding, to accept more perspectives, understand more biases, and yet when it comes to sports, we seem to leave all of that at the door. Fans dehumanizing players, organizations dehumanizing players, organizations silently approving these kinds of actions. Um, and then you, of course, look at the landscape of the NFL. Uh, Daniel Snyder has owned a team with a racially insensitive name for decades now. He has been asked on multiple occasions to change that name, right? Uh, he has been asked to consider the insensitive nature of that name. And again, as a white man in this country, I don't get to legislate morality and justice for minorities. To me, it is incumbent on me to hear what they have to say, internalize it, and believe it and understand it, and use that when I'm processing exactly how to navigate myself in this ever diverse world. Um, and when I hear about Native American struggles, you know, the crimes that were perpetrated on them by the United States, people of the United States, the United States government, the assimilation of their culture and the eradication of their people to the point where a football team, which pays players to play a game for a living, uh, feels that the name and the history that is associated with the name, and what do I mean by that? The championships that they won a billion years ago that nobody cares about, right? That team has been irrelevant for 30 years. Uh, they have not done anything of note, even in this century. And yet they feel that the 
emotional ties that they have to a name are more important than the feelings of others that live in this country as well, whose ancestors have been personally affected by these racially insensitive names and possibly even the crimes that the government itself has perpetrated on them and their families. So they do what other franchises have done and they decide, well, you know what? We're going to take the name away. Uh, we are going to you know, call ourselves the Washington football team because you know what? We're progressive. Well, you're not progressive because if you were progressive, you would have done this a long time ago. Actually, you would have done this around the same time that the Chicago Blackhawks should have been calling the authorities on Mr. Aldrich here. So Daniel Snyder and all of his wisdom says, we're going to keep the team as the Washington football team for a year. We're going to keep it for two years. And then today he decides that in an effort to diversify the portfolio and the staff of the Washington football team, that he is going to um, make his wife the co-CEO. If you have listened to this show at any point over the last year, you know that I'm all about empowerment of minorities and empowerment of uh, everybody on this earth. And to me, women are of the highest order of needing that empowerment. Uh, women have been put down, kept down, and held down for centuries in this country. Uh, they were not allowed to vote for the longest time. Even still today, many women are seen as uh, side pieces, as uh, not being as good as men, not seeming that they should be getting paid as much as men. And Mike and I talked about that in Tuesday's episode of Drippin' Sports about the pay disparity and how it's a complicated matter when it comes to sports, given the revenue generation, but overall, women should have an equal and heard seat at the table, just as black people, Hispanic people, Asian people, and so forth. The idea is inclusion. The idea is to diversify your workplace and also give them a sense of belonging and a sense of equity in your organization. So Daniel Snyder thinks to himself, how can I make the Washington football team even more progressive? Or let me say it this way. How can the optics of the Washington football team be made to seem more uh, diverse, more inclusive? I'm going to make a woman the co-CEO of the team. And how am I going to do that? I'm going to make my wife the co-CEO of the team. That is one of the most tone-deaf things I've ever seen. Um, it's basically nepotism of the highest order. And who is to say that his wife is even qualified to do so? And I'm not saying that because she's a woman. Who, who is Daniel Snyder and why is he qualified to be the owner of an NFL team? I will say this about owners in general of NFL teams. They are rich, snobby white people for the most part. They are completely detached from the realities of the world. Uh, that includes Bob Kraft. I have been critical of Bob Kraft at every turn. I think he's disgusting. Uh, he clearly dehumanizes women and especially foreign women by going to a strip club in a strip mall in random Florida when he has the money to do whatever he wants. He can build Gillette Stadium. He can pay for that out of his own pocket, but he somehow needs to use human trafficking methods or by extension supporting human trafficking in order to get his fix, to get his happy ending. So I find that disgusting. And no matter how much work he does for charity or how much work he does in freeing uh, Meek Mills and certain things like that, I think there is an underlying tone of dehumanizing feelings that just aren't overt. I think he's a silent racist, perhaps. Uh, and I think he does it for the publicity rather than the actual good actions. But 
other owners they're tone deaf they don't understand what things cost anymore they don't really understand the world as it turns around most of us now me as a peasant in this world i'm in the middle class i'm certainly comfortable but life works for me the same way that it works for everybody else that i know we have to pay our bills we have to work uh, this is a hobby for me podcasting right now is a hobby for me as much as i would love it to be my job uh, that is still a while away i have to keep plugging and keep failing in order to find myself in the spotlight but it doesn't work that way for daniel snyder daniel snyder gets to essentially exist in a world where things don't apply to him he has so much money so many connections and so much influence and being a white male in this country he basically sits atop the perch of the hierarchy in terms of influence and so forth um, he is nearly untouchable and so he can make his wife the ceo and he can say that and give out a press release and say look at how diverse we are look at how inclusive we are but yet his entire organization was built off exclusivity and just downright trashiness toward other people especially women dehumanizing degrading women um, treating them as if they are less than right treating them as if they are not worthy of inclusion at the high table for that organization and just because your wife is somebody that you love and she happens to be female it doesn't mean that that's the right thing to do for the organization it doesn't mean that that move is actually something that is going to make you woke make you diverse make you inclusive how do you do that you actively buy into the ideas of inclusion right and this is exactly what these two franchises have gotten wrong and by the way why do I bring both of them up? Because both of them have problematic histories with their logos and emblems and names, right? They are both based off of Native American past, questionable Native American past, and yet what do we find in these organizations? We find that they are unwilling to go the extra mile and treat everybody the same, to treat everybody with decency. One franchise backs sexual misconduct and sexual assault because we have a Stanley Cup to win. The football team, I don't even know what they're doing because they have no modicum of success in the last 30 years that would let you think that the culture of winning is more important. I honestly think that Daniel Snyder just doesn't give a damn about anybody but himself in a way that has basically, it's palpable. The people that he surrounded himself with palpably don't care about women. They probably don't care about Native Americans. And I don't think that that is a stretch given the organizational culture. You can tell a lot by the company that people keep. You can tell a lot by the organization run around them. Even in my own workplace, I can see where we have work to do, but I can also see the progress that we've made. And sometimes it comes down to individuals too. But in an organization like an NFL franchise or an NHL franchise where they there is a clear top of the food chain and that person has all the power, right? Where I work, we have congressionally appointed leaders and they change out because that's how it works. The cycle of presidents changes out. And so the cycle of our leadership changes out. It doesn't work that way in the NFL. Once you buy a team, you have purchased that entity. You own everything that there is to own about it. You own all the merchandise, all the logos, everything, because you purchase it as an item. It's no different than actually going to like CVS, for instance, and buying a greeting card. He purchased the Washington football team and is the sole owner of it. And he has the power to change the organization from the top down. Because one of the things that won't work there is clearly a grassroots effort. 
the Chicago Blackhawks players, who are nowhere near the bottom of the food chain of that organization, told their bosses, hey, this guy is a creep. He needs to be out of here. He needs to be arrested. And they said, nah, he doesn't. Go out and play. Go out and win. That's what's going to make you happy. And you know what? They did go out and play. They did go out and win. And they were happy for a fleeting moment. Here we are in 2021. And that player, who is a Stanley Cup champion, can't take that away from him. He still feels the effects and repercussions of unwanted sexual advances, unwanted oral sex. And you can't actually alleviate that with a win. You can't alleviate that with a Stanley Cup championship win, a day with the Stanley Cup. And with the Washington football team, women can't feel empowered just because the wife of the owner is now the CEO. What, what, is, what does alleviate that? more women in places of power, more women in places of influence, listening to those women who are in places of power and influence, making sure that you as the owner buy into that culture shift, buy into that new paradigm. Same thing with the Blackhawks. Blackhawks need a paradigm shift. They need a clean out of this toxic idea that sexual assault is okay as long as we're winning. And you know what? It's funny, they're not winning these days but to me, it doesn't matter. The timing of it is no better than if they were winning. Ultimately, wins and losses are nowhere near as important as human decency, human rights, and inclusive equity for everybody involved in their workplace. So hope everybody is having a great Wednesday. I definitely appreciate you listening to me pontificate about this. There's a lot of serious shit that happens in this world, folks. And Matty Ice is here to talk through them because what else are we to do? You need to hear from people like myself who have listened to others, who does what I can in my personal life to change where I can, to progress where I can. True progress, true caring, true understanding, true empathy, right? That's what's important. And I try my best to do that. And that's why Soulfully Casual exists, to highlight those things in the world that you should be thinking about highlight the people you should be thinking about, highlight voices that should be heard. Having Miss Joyce on here, you probably don't know who she is. She's a voice you should listen to though. She has great thoughts. She can influence a lot of people and she does in her daily life. Friends that I have have had so much influence on my life and I want them to have influence on yours. So before I get you out of here, check out MattyIceMedia.com, all the other podcasts that are there, we got great people here, great stuff, and I just want them to get the exposure that I have. I want them to get the notoriety for their collective creativity and caring about the world. And also, Soulfully Casual Podcast and Instagram, I'd love to hear from you. Hope everybody has a great rest of your week, and I will see you on the flip side. Soulfully Casual is exclusively owned by Matty Ice and is brought to you by Matty Ice Media.